Fantastic to see you. It's such a joy to be here this morning. It's great to worship amongst so many friends. It's actually really lovely to have so many familiar faces as well. It's a little bit, you know, after a few years coming back, you think, well, I know anybody. Actually, I do, and it's great. So it's fantastic to be here. And uh, Trinity has always been a kind of a spiritual home for Mims and I and the boys, and we're, we're just so grateful to God for all that we learnt and we experienced here in this place. And just walking through the door, the, the Lord's here. You know, the Lord is here. And He always has been, and He always will be. And uh, we had some great laughs in this place, some great fun and games. Uh, you know, taking the rag out of Erica and things like this was always just a, such a joy for all of us. Um, but... It's also, we saw so much of what God was doing and has done in this place here. We learned so much. Before we moved to Bristol for ordination training 10 years ago now, uh, we saw Jesus' love in action here in this church for lost and broken people. Just through the things that you're still doing and you have done, you know, Jesus' love is poured out in this place. We learned here how to spot really the wind of the Spirit to raise our sails, let him propel us and compel us. And we also realized that Jesus really is the hope of the world here. We really saw that. And that if that is the case, then we need to learn to take risks for the Lord and trust everything will be well. Because everything else really is just kind of temporary decoration to that one overarching truth that Jesus is Lord. And God has been faithful, hasn't he? Now, it hasn't all been plain sailing. I know that. We've had to navigate some storms along the way, haven't we? And goodness me, you have here too. But you're here. You're here. And the Lord, it's no accident that you're here this morning. Because the Lord is good. And he has great plans for us. And uh, he has wonderful plans for you as a church. I was praying for you as I was preparing this talk uh, over the past week. And I was kind of watching our garden growing outside my, garden, outside my window, you know, looking for inspiration. You look out the window sometimes. And uh, I saw that the buds on the trees, on the fruit trees, were coming. They're coming. The buds are there. And then just this morning as we left, they're out. The blossom is out. The blossom is on the trees, and I felt that was for you. It's just today, it's come out. And I felt like the Lord was saying, you will soon be entering a new season of fruitfulness, of increased faith. Because what I've learned is that faith grows through the winter of adversity. And Jesus rebuked the disciples' lack of faith when they thought they were gonna drown during a storm, didn't he? And they survived, and it was a terrible ordeal. They thought they were going to drown. Jesus rebuked the wind and the waves and all was calmed. And you know what they learned? They, their faith was so much higher at the end of that experience. They learned that even the wind and the waves obey him. Their faith level had been raised. Because God is more interested in our character than in our comfort and our accomplishments. He wants us to have a robust faith. And that means learning to dare to trust him wholeheartedly, both in the good times and in the bad. And we need to actually walk with him through both things. Trusting him to, enough to go when we've got to go, when he's saying go. Trusting him to wait and stay 
when he's telling us to wait. But how many of us love waiting? We're not waiters, really, are we? We're not really loving waiting. We live in, a, in an estate near the M5. Just, we're just two minutes away from the M5 in Western Supermare. And outside our house, there's a chicane built into the road just outside our house because some bright spark thought it'd be great to slow the traffic up right outside our house. And it's supposedly for traffic calming, as they call it. What I can tell you is far from calm outside our house. You know, drivers, they just try and barge their way through. They just try and go for it. I do not want to wait for you. I am going to go for it. And literally, we've had people getting out of their cars stood in the road like this. I'm not going anywhere. You know, the horn, it's great. Sometimes it's a bit of a spectator sport. We hate waiting, don't we? We hate waiting. Amazon is now offering same-day delivery. Is he doing that in Cheltenham, same-day delivery? It will come to you soon. Even an hour delivery in major cities now. Soon as legislation makes it legal, Prime Air will be delivering parcels to your door by drone within 30 minutes. How exciting is that? Shoot them out the sky and stuff like this. The pace of life is just getting faster and faster, isn't it? It's faster and faster. Which means waiting and patience and perseverance are increasingly alien to us. They're just increasingly not part of our social fabric. But we learn from Scripture that God is never in a hurry. 2 Peter 3.8 Don't forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years is like a day. So if you ever hear the Lord saying, I'll do it tomorrow, <laughs> who knows what that really, really means. But he's not slow in keeping his promises. The Lord is never slow in keeping his promises. The trouble is he just doesn't promise to stick to our schedule. So have you ever been in that place where you've been in a hurry wanting God to be like that, and actually God is not in a hurry. Well, I have. Have you ever been in God's waiting room? Now, you've been following uh, Rick Warren's series, Daring Faith, and he suggests there are five things that we need to do and to remember when we've been praying, and nothing seems to be happening. We feel stuck in what he calls God's waiting room. And the first thing to remember is that there is a natural delay between planting and harvesting. There is a natural delay. Now, I'm not much of a gardener. Our gardener is, 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 is just a bit of grass, really. But I do have a plum tree. And uh, I take great pride in it. Um, it will never be quite as fruitful as Rich Warner's and people like that. However, it's my plum tree, and I'm defending it. And I pruned it a couple of weeks ago, and uh, it's got loads of buds on it. It is that plum tree that is blossoming today. And I'm hoping for a bumper harvest of juicy Victoria plums next week. <laughs> Actually, we know that's ridiculous, isn't it? It would be stupid of me to expect them next week. I know there's going to be late August before those plums turn up, and that's only right. There's a season for, 
fruitfulness. Ecclesiastes 3.15, there's a time for everything under the sun, a time to sow and a time to reap. So we reap in a different season to where we sow. But we've got to keep sowing, haven't we? We've got to keep sowing, expecting to reap in another season. And sometimes we just need to give ourselves a break, realizing what season we're in. It's really important to know what season you're in right now. So the second thing we should remember while we're waiting in the waiting room is that there is an unseen battle going on. Daniel's prayers, we read, took 21 days to get answered because there was a spiritual battle going on in the heavenlies. Paul writes in Ephesians 6, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities in the heavenly places. You know, our prayers release heavenly resources and they drive back the enemy. And the Lord fights on our behalf that this can take time and persistence. So don't, in the meantime, succumb to Satan's darts of doubt, of despair, of depression. Instead, we've got to raise up that shield of faith and bat them off until the right time comes. So in some ways, we've got to be discerning. When are we being hindered by the Satan's efforts? And when is the Lord redirecting our steps? Discernment is needed. But the third thing to remember is that whatever we're going through, as we wait for God, he is preparing a bigger blessing for us. He's preparing a bigger blessing. Now, in my third year of, as a curate at St. Paul's in Western Supermere, I received that letter from the Bishop of Taunton, and it basically said, Tom, thanks very much for everything. Uh, anyway, you need to get yourself a job because your pay will cease in July. And you kind of focuses the mind. You think, okay. So you can understand I was kind of spurred into action, so we started to look for parishes. We thought coastal, nice. <laughs> Southampton, Portsmouth, uh, near, you know, within an hour or two of my mum and dad, and we found a couple of places that really looked great on paper. You know, places where there were people who had yachts in the congregation. I was just, <laughs> that's the sort of thing that I was, I was looking at. But I was in the shower and I was thinking and praying about things, and I found myself, I know it's kind of embarrassing to say it now, but I found myself singing Hold On from that cheesy 90s hit, The Only Way Is Up. I admit it's very cheesy. I wouldn't sing it normally, which is why I thought, this is odd. I'm singing this song. And I mentioned it to Luke, who's my prayer partner back at, at, at home, and uh, he didn't know the song at all. <laughs> and he looked at me, and he said, I just don't know that song. What are you talking about? It sounds really cheesy to me. And at that moment, it came on in the radio in the van. It came on. How bizarre is that? And he... He suddenly his eyes went wide and he said, I think the Lord might be telling you to hold on. <laughs> so we didn't proceed with Southampton. And then some weeks later, I got invited to go for interview in Portsmouth. Portsmouth, great, great. There's yachts down there. I'll go to Portsmouth. <laughs> and perhaps this is what we've been waiting for. I just needed to wait that bit. But do you know, I was sat just up about up here at New Wine Leaders Conference all those years ago, and I was reminded just really clearly that the disciples were told to leave their nets behind. 
and follow Jesus, to leave their nets behind. And I really felt the Lord saying to me, it's just a safety net. This is a nice parish, but it's a safety net. And so I went outside from the conference, just out the front, and I said, thanks very much, but I just think I've got to hold on. I've got to hold on. And you've got to wait. And so leaving that safety net behind, I cancelled. And to cut a long story short, I now know that behind the scenes, unbeknownst to me, all that time, the Lord was engineering a different opportunity. All in those previous weeks, all at the same time, he was engineering things and putting the pieces together for us to go to Locking Castle, to get involved with a team church, um, planting churches in Western Supermare. And that's been an enormous blessing since then. It's been absolutely right. It's been where the Lord has called us, and we've got no doubt about it. But I could have so easily missed that. We could have easily missed that if we jumped God's gun. And if you remember nothing else from today, don't jump God's gun. Because we can get in trouble more easily by doing things too hastily, I think, than we can if we would just be willing to wait until it's really clear from the Lord. So if you're in God's waiting room today, just remember that he is preparing a greater blessing for you. 1 Peter 1 verse 6 says, You may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, but these have come so that your faith may be proved genuine and result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So even if you're in God's waiting room and it's a trial, there is praise and glory and honor for the Lord in that, and it's coming. It's like gold being refined and melted. The dross is removed. Keep going because it will be worth it. It will be worth it. Fourth thing to remember is that if God is making you wait, you're in good company. You're in good company. At the age of 80, God renamed Abraham to Abraham, which means father of many nations, which is a bit ironic, really, isn't it? Because he had to wait 25 years until Isaac was born. Just imagine it. That's his name. It means father, you know, what's your name? Father of nations. Mm. You haven't got any kids, have you, for 25 years? They're a bit humiliating. Joseph, stuck in prison for rape he didn't commit for 13 years until the Lord brought about the fulfillment of his dreams. 13 years. Jesus waited 30 years in obscurity until he began his public ministry. And that was the right time. It was the perfect pivotal moment of history. God had planned for thousands of years to engineer the salvation of humankind. But Jesus had to wait 30 years before he could begin. Why couldn't he begin 30 years earlier? You know, just do it. But he had to wait for the right time. God isn't in a hurry. He's just getting around to the right time. And it seems to me that the people in the Bible who got into trouble were those who were impatient and jumped God's gun. Just think of King Saul. It's tragic. One of the most tragic stories in the Bible. When he was just a little bit impatient and jumped the gun. What about Aaron and the golden calf? Whoa, look at that. They just popped out of the fire. Think of 
The grace, though, that is shown to those who waited a little bit. Think of Gideon. Can you just show me once more if this is the right thing to do? Just read the story of Gideon. What about Nehemiah? He prayed for three months before he started on his action to rebuild the wall. Now, fifthly, we need to remember to hold on to God's promises. The Living Bible, Habakkuk 2, verse 3, says, these, says this. These things I plan won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, surely, the time approaches and the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, don't despair, for these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient because they won't be overdue a single day. A friend of mine was, telling, was uh, feeling really low and praying that the Lord would lift her spirits. And somebody suggested that she might speak out God's promises over herself, actually speak them out vocally each day. And she spoke out this promise in 1 Peter 5 verse 7 every day. And she said this, Today I am not anxious I'm not worried or weighed down. I cast my burdens on the Lord because he cares for me. And she spoke that out vocally each day. And you know, it was hugely helpful. She said that, is the, that was the key that started lifting her depression. And she is now out of the woods and on the up. Holding on to God's promises is like putting on a harness when we're in the storm. We are harnessed waiting for the storm to pass. So that's five things to remember while we're in the waiting room. And you can be reminded from the slide. But uh, Rick Warren is very current, cunning. He, he suggests there are four things we should do, which he's got an acrostic for, which is WAIT, W-A-I-T, which is always Rick's way. And uh, he, he suggests that the W should stand for write down the lessons I'm learning. If you take a journal, write, use the time in God's waiting room to write down the lessons that you're learning. Because it's a great time to see how the Lord works through it. But actually, as I was praying about it, I want to substitute a different word there. And that is watch. Watch. Watch for what the Holy Spirit is doing. Watchfulness. Lots of times in the New Testament, we are encouraged to be watchful as a primary task of discipleship. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 42, always keep watch because you do not know on which day the Lord is coming. Now, of course, he's talking about his second coming, his return, but equally, I think he's also talking about the times that he's coming to act and move and change lives. And so an attitude of watchfulness implies we are expecting the Lord to turn up. We are expecting, we are anticipating. I think that's the A, anticipating that the Lord is engineering a solution. Let's anticipate that things are about to change. We have to be active in that though. You know, around this time last year, things were going really well at Locking Castle. Uh, and especially amongst the children and young people. And uh, the sort of ministry was thriving. By the way, at this point, I just want to say, it's so lovely to see what you're doing with the young, youngsters here and how they gather around. I was just remembering my boys came and sat on these steps 
not that long ago, it seems, and they were taking part in the kids' activities. But they're back at church and they're leading worship there this morning. And it goes like that. But the investment that you put into these young people at this church right now, from zero to however old I am, is so valuable. Never stop doing it. It's so valuable. It goes so quickly. And they're soon leading the church. It's soon. It just feels like a breath. Anyway, well done. I just want to say thank you. Because um, thank you because you, know, you invested in our children. And I'm so grateful. Anyway, we've been investing in our leaders. And uh, that, the thing that happens when you invest in leaders is you know that you send them out. Just like we were sent out from this church and so many people were sent out from this church as it becomes a resourcing church, really, for the nation. And uh, it's just one of those things that happens in the kingdom. People get sent out. And I knew there would be a time when we'd be sending out people to do greater things for the Lord from Locking Castle. But events overtook us and gradually it became clear that by the end of the summer last year, we would be saying goodbye to our youth pastor, both assistant youth pastors, our church administrator, and all their families. Now, bear in mind, our church is quite small. And so we only have a small staff. And actually, this would be at half the staff going on one day. And uh, some would say that's careless. <laughs> but it's just the way it all worked out. There was D-Day, August 28th, last year. Bang there would be a big goodbye. And so I was, as a church leader, sometimes you carry this because you realize first, ah, I'm realizing this is all going to happen. And everybody else doesn't realize there's a kind of convergence happening on this particular day. So for a couple of months, I was in a bit of a fragile place, asking God for help and waiting for the answers. Okay, Lord, bring about the solution. How are we going to fill this and do that? And, do and, you know, you start thinking through solutions. As an engineer, you do anyway. You start trying to write your flow diagram out. And there's big gaps in the middle, and it's no good. I, mean, I was trained as an engineer, by the way. I kind of started in mechanical, then I went to software. Now it's just invisible. It's the way I find a figure. <laughs> but during that time, I realized I had a choice. I could let worry dominate my thinking and take me down, or I could try and anticipate and imagine a day like today, when I can actually stand before you and say, God has been faithful, he's been good, and he has brought everything about. So we have a new team, and the way the Lord brought that about is a miraculous story in itself. For another time, perhaps. But I watched as the Holy Spirit put different pieces into place. And he arranged the jigsaw pieces. And my part was simply to be obedient to the little promptings that, as the Lord made each step clear. Now, faith to me doesn't mean there isn't a struggle. You know, we are not immune from knotted stomachs or some sleepless nights occasionally. I'd be, it'd be great if my faith was there that I went, you know, whatever. But actually, it's not that way for me. But the Lord is looking for faithful plodders who will continually hand things over to him and say, Lord, it's in your hands. And watch for what is happening rather than dwelling on what isn't. Now, we often think of waiting as being passive, 
don't we? I'm just going to wait. I sort of wait for things to happen. But I think there is an active element to it as well. Henri Nuon describes the waiting we see in Scripture as really active. He says this, Active waiting means being present fully to the moment in the conviction that something is happening where you are and that you want to be present to it. It's about looking for what, what is God doing, not what is not. Okay, two more things to do while we wait for the Lord, apart from watching and anticipating. Third, we need to imitate the habits that grow strong faith. And these are those ongoing things that Jesus tells us to do and the New Testament teaches that we need to do on an ongoing basis. These are the keep-ons of the New Testament. What's ones that spring to your mind? Matthew 7, 7, ask and keep on asking. Seek, keep on seeking. Knock, keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. Prayer, that continual conversation, that continual knocking. It's a keep on. Keep on keeping on. That'd be a great t-shirt for a church leader. Keep on keeping on. Keep on serving. Romans 12, verse 11. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Keep on serving the Lord. Keep on serving. Don't give up the habit of meeting together, says Paul. In other words, keep on going to your small group. If you're waiting, don't just get it fed up and say, well, I'll come back when something happens. You just keep going. Keep coming. Keep meeting with your small group. Keep worshipping together. Keep on being filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Keep on being filled with the Spirit. We need to press in continually. Now those habits that you practice that grow strong faith will carry you through when you hit a rough patch, when it comes to you, when you hit stormy seas. Several years ago, my mum was diagnosed with cancer and she had to go through chemotherapy. And with the medication that she had, she struggled to think and concentrate. She really struggled with it. She also struggled to pray. And she, she felt really, really low. She really did. But she had got into the habit of saying the daily office that the Church of England provide just by rote, just reading it through. The day, you can get an app with it. And she read through on the app. And to this day, she says that is what kept her faith alive during that long period of waiting in the dark. Bizarrely, it's those habits that we're in that can carry you through. Finally, when we're in God's waiting room, we need to trust that his timing is perfect, even though it might be counterintuitive to us. You know, his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher above. And we see this in the Gospels. You know, Jesus sometimes bizarrely delayed coming to people in ministry, didn't he? When his brothers said to him, hey, you should go up to the Feast of Tabernacles. It would be awesome. Show yourselves to everybody. Do a few fancy miracles. And everybody go, wham, you're awesome, the Messiah. And he went, look, guys, my time has not yet come. You know, for you, any old time will do. Any old time will do. And actually, for us often, is it any old time will do? Any time is the opportune time. 
Well, Jesus knows that there is a specific moment for everything, specific moments for ministry. Just think of uh, Lazarus on his deathbed. Jesus is, is, is called. Lazarus, your pal, is on his deathbed. You need to come right now. But what did Jesus do? He said, yeah, I'll be there in a couple of days. You know, that's just nuts, isn't it? When he arrives, he, he even doesn't even go to Mary and Martha's house. He hangs around outside the village. What are you doing outside the village? You're just waiting even more. And Mary and Martha have to go to him. And they both say to him, it's too late. You're too late. You know, if you'd have just come sooner, my brother wouldn't have died. But as it is, he's dead. And what did Jesus say to them? You just have to have faith. If you really believe, have faith. And actually, what was Jesus doing through all that? He was preparing for the greatest miracle that would propel him. It was a pivotal moment in his ministry. It would propel him to the cross. It would propel him to actually saving the world and you and I here today. So Jesus delaying by a few days, we've got to give thanks for that because that was a key moment in his ministry. God's timing is perfect. God's timing is perfect. Now some of you are in God's waiting room this morning. Some of you have been waiting for years. I don't know whether you've been waiting as long as Abraham or Moses or perhaps Joseph, perhaps you felt in prison for 13 years and you're still waiting. Well, do you know, Joseph didn't know that the next day he would be the ruler of half of Babylon. He really didn't know that. It just happened in God's timing, in God's perfect time. And I really felt that this morning as I looked out of my window and my plum tree had burst into blossom this is a word for you guys. There's a season coming. And you've got to take that as a promise from the Lord. Shall we stand? Galatians 6 verse 9 says this, Let's not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time... We will reap a harvest. What if we don't give up? If we don't give up? Or if we faint not, as it says in the King James. And some of us are feeling faint. Some of us may be feeling weary. But I want you to know the blossom is out. The blossom is out. The season is coming. The season of fruitfulness is coming. So let's ask the Holy Spirit just to come and minister to us this morning. For those of us that have felt in that barren season and you need to know that the blossom is on the tree, perhaps the Lord is going to do that for you this morning. Shall we pray? Let's just ask the Holy Spirit to come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, would you come this morning? Thank you that you're here. But we invite you now to come and minister that new season into our hearts, Lord God, of hope and faithfulness. That we might dare to believe that you have a bigger blessing for us. Lord, that we might dare to believe that you have bigger blessings for this church. For Lord, each and every individual here, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come right now.
Lord, would we see the blossom on the buds. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you're here. I just wanted to read a scripture out over you. Song of Songs. Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and come with me. See, the winter is past. The rains are over and gone. Flowers appear on the earth. The season of singing has come. The cooing of doves is heard in our land. The fig tree forms its early fruit. The blossoming vines spread their fragrance. Arise, come, my darling, my beautiful one. Come with me. I just feel like the Lord is just saying, come with him this morning. Come with him. Arise and know that he is calling for you. A new season of singing. So this morning, if you felt like you haven't been able to sing, <laughs> I just felt we want to just be able to pray with you. If you need to know there's a new season, if you've been asking the Lord for a new season, or perhaps you felt fruitless in your ministry or whatever you're doing in your workplace, the Lord wants to bring you a promise and new hope of fruitfulness this morning. Perhaps you've been in that waiting room, waiting for an answer. Maybe you've been waiting for healing. Well, the Lord wants to bring about hope for healing again this morning. So I just wonder whether, um, if that's you, and you want somebody to pray with you, then just come, just come, start coming down, and I'd just love to pray with you, and over you, and for you. And uh, perhaps some of the ministry team can come as well and join me at the front and we're just going to pray I just think it's a new season it's a new season and uh, for some of you you just need to start walking into that take steps forward into a new season and uh, there was another word I just felt um, for some of you there's no need to be on the back foot anymore you're not, not limited to being on the back foot best foot forward foot forward now so come, so just come and receive from the Lord. I know you guys are up in the balcony too, but this, you know, just come and receive prayer. Because God wants a new season. Thank you, Father. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Um, a season of singing could also, I think, refer to the prophetic as well. A season of singing where you may have felt like you haven't just been hearing from the Lord for a long time, like you, you may have wanted to do. I just think there's a season of singing, and that could be in the, in the prophetic as well. If you've been stuck prophetically and you want to be released again, just come, just come.
tranquillante.